I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAV. I am your host, Mike Madison, offering up a safe space to the independent thinkers out there. I There's a lot to talk about. I'm going to be doing a show uh, soon on the vaccines. It, it's time. Um, there, there's, so, there's new information out there, and people are ripe to hear this now like they've never been ripe before, as far as I'm concerned. And boy, there are some there's some really bad things happening. And it's not just COVID vaccine. I, I started to do that today, but I've got so many other things that I found kind of interesting, some kind of recent events I wanted to cover that I won't get to it today, but I will I will circle back. So get ready for that. A pretty inclusive uh show about really it's it's a medical establishment show. I've got an unblemished record of six years of opposing that system. It's gonna continue. But let's go ahead and get into some of the stuff today. First of all, I've, I've had several days. I've got several quotes of the day today. Let's start off with those. Here, here's one. I, I thought I had really seen most of the most popular Founding Fathers quotes, but I always run across new ones. Really very interesting to me when you think about the time that has elapsed between when these words were spoken and today to realize we're still in the same boat. Thomas Jefferson said, quote, when once a man has cast a longing eye on offices, a rottenness begins in his conduct. When once a man has cast a longing eye on offices, a rottenness begins in his conduct. That is true. We, we elect bad people because something happens. There's some good people that run for office, I'm sure, that are just absolutely just turned into the most horrific monsters as soon as they get power. Uh, here's another one. Not so much a quote. This is not attributed to anybody, but it goes with a little thread of quotes I ran across. This one says, The greatest threat to mankind and all of life on this beautiful planet is not climate change, overpopulation, terrorism, racism, resource scarcity, or some deadly disease. No, the greatest threat to mankind is the same today as it was over a thousand years ago. We are ruled by parasitical psychopaths who plunge us into war, manipulate us against each other, and flood our minds with fear, hate, bigotry, and ignorance with every chance that they get. Amen. This is a fun one here. It says, Paying taxes in America is like permanently making payments on a car that is being driven by someone who's constantly trying to run you over. (laughs) And this one. A single B is ignored, but when millions come together... Even the bravest run in fear. The one thing the government fears is the day we stand together. I had um, 
had run across this too. I'm going to save. I've got a long quote from Julian Assange. I'll save that one. Such a great hero. But I, I saw a video just this morning of a uh, some some a family from Alabama had taken their I think this was over the July Fourth holiday had taken their boat uh, off the coast of Florida to do a little fishing. Mom, dad, a son that appeared to be probably I'd guess maybe eleven or twelve years old. A I guess this has got to be a fisheries or wildlife person, something like that. Boat comes up. Oh, the officer was just so fast. Hey, how are y'all? Nice boat, all that. But ultimately what this was about was uh, this this officer of the law had to pull up next to the boat, board these people's boat, and start checking their coolers for fish size. Again, this is a father, a mother, and about an 11- or 12-year-old son out for a day of fishing. He made them get off of the ocean and go over to a boat ramp so they could be issued. Well, not they, the son. The young son, the preteen son, I would imagine. My apologies to this child if he's 13 or older. He looked kind of small to me, but, you know, the camera's bobbing up and down. That's <laughs> kind of hard to tell. He, he got a ticket for a second degree. The, the officer made sure to point this out. A second degree misdemeanor ticket for catching a fish that was shorter than the regulation. And and they made the point where, uh, yeah, this is a second-degree misdemeanor, so this means you're going to have to leave Alabama. And I'm not sure what part of Florida they were in. God knows. I hope it's somewhere close to the coast of Alabama, somewhere close, because they have to come back and appear in court. This is the country that we live in now where you cannot go out with your family, with your child, for just a day of fishing in the sun without the government getting involved and coming and bringing a ruler to the fish you have caught to give your son a ticket for a second-degree misdemeanor. This is the police state that we live in. I definitely wanted to get to this, so I saw it. I went and saw the Sound of Freedom movie this past weekend. Now, I saw it at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. The girl that I went with... We had some things we wanted to do on Sunday, so I guess it freed up some of the day. I've never seen a movie, particularly something that is kind of intense, (laughs) at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I almost said no, but I just rolled with it. If she tries to take me to a senior citizen's early buffet for dinner at 4.30, I'm calling it all off. That's that's it. But I went and saw this movie at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. There's several interesting things about not only the movie itself, but all of the the hoopla, all of the the social commentary surrounding it. First of all, it was a good movie. And it was absolutely nothing like the way the media has described it. Now, the media has likened this to something that's QAnon adjacent. I really didn't know much about the content of the movie. I knew it was about child trafficking. Another reason I didn't know Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning was the great, that I'd really be in the, in the headspace to address such a dark and serious, weighty issue. But it, I was waiting in this movie for references to Hollywood, to billionaire elites, to Epstein, to the Clintons, to uh, adrenochrome, If you're not, I'm not going to take my time to explain adrenochrome to you, but this is just one of these theories that's out there that the elites are using adrenochrome to stay young, the blood of young, scared children. 
I assumed all of that would be in this movie. To listen to the media, this is everything from Rolling Stone and The Guardian to MSNBC to CNBC, all bashing this movie and talking about it being this terrible QAnon thing. I am not a supporter of QAnon, as many people know. Many people, I think many people left this show when I kept calling out this QAnon nonsense. But anyway, it was nothing like the media portrayed it. And it was really interesting to me. It, it is just the story, a true story about somebody, a, a, one of the good guys in law enforcement who had had enough and really kind of committed to a father to get his children back. And he, if this story is even 10% true, what he went through to get these children back, it, it, he is a true hero. And I believe it's, it's a shame. You realize this one committed, this one committed champion of these children just a drop in the bucket, but still, he's made his impact. He can go on to the to the, to the next realm, really knowing he made a tremendous impact on many children's lives. But it was a it was a good story. But what's even more interesting to me than the the left's reaction to this movie, because when you watch it, you realize it's just the most innocuous thing in the world. It is the tale of two children who were essentially kidnapped and sold into slavery. And getting these two children back, the entire thing takes place in Central uh, and maybe South America. I can't remember if they went to South America or it was just Central America, but it didn't even really enter the United States except for a few scenes of some law enforcement offices and one guy trying to uh, cross the Mexican-American border with a child in his car. There was no Hollywood. There was no nothing. I was... I just left there thinking, what is the problem with this movie? Why are they attacking it the way they are? But I think the right has got some things about this movie wrong, too. And I think this is very interesting. And as I say, I'm an observer. It gives me a certain freedom to be open to thinking about things in all kinds of different ways, because I'm just kind of interested as what the truth behind these things might be. So I've seen the right, uh, people on the right, just hyperventilating, talking about things like the, the air conditioning not working in some theaters. And some of the screens are screwing up. You've probably seen this if you spend any time on social media or if you followed any of the hype around the sound of freedom. Uh, I actually did a little bit of math here, <laughs> as, as I tend to do. My guess is that in a typical day, we're going to, oh, the AC, the AC issue first. There was no air conditioning. They're trying to keep us from seeing this movie. There was no air conditioning. It was, it was hard. They wanted us to leave and offered us our money back, but we stayed in that hot theater to watch it. They're trying to keep it from us. Well, I did the math here. In 2020, I just took the first statistic I could find because it's just for illustrative purposes anyway. In 2020, there were 5,798 movie theaters. Yes, I, I actually looked it up. If each one of these theaters were to average seven screens, um, that would mean that there are 40,586 theater rooms. Now, in a very, very hot summer, imagine this is just houses. If there were 40,000 homes, let's, uh, is that about the size of Madison, Mississippi? Out of the 40,000 homes out there, how many are having... Uh, Air, condi air conditioning issues right now, <laughs> right this minute, in the middle of a hot summer. I'm just saying there, there's a possibility that maybe air conditioners just happen to coincidentally, and I would imagine at every movie theater across the country, at some point, the ACs go out. Maybe it's a plot. 
I don't want to ruin anybody's fun and the narrative around this, but it just that was a little interesting to me. Uh, there were other ones. Uh, I saw a lot of these. But, Mike, I saw a video of some people who went into the movie theaters to watch this film, and it wouldn't even play. Okay. All right, so on a typical day, if there's over 40,000 movie <laughs> projectors around, how many, well, let's just say in, in the 5,700 theaters. Now, I don't know if all of, you know, I don't know how many screens are in your typical movie theater, but it seems like most of them are multiplexes. If there are 5,000 movies, how many times do you think a projector will screw up in a typical day? Because I started thinking about it as I was seeing these things. I got sucked in a little bit. I thought, well, this is kind of interesting, isn't it? Because I've watched the left attacking this movie. But I started thinking about it for a second, as I do. And I know that there are probably three to five times in my life a movie that I went to go see just didn't play. I remember a couple of times there was no sound. More than a few times I've been to movie theaters where the, the voice wasn't synced up to actually to the movie. And they tried to fix it and tried to fix it, and eventually they couldn't, and I had to wait and go to a later show. These kinds of things happen. So I'm just saying because I started to kind of wonder about something else, too. Here was the big one. Mike, my theater said the show was sold out. And then I went in, and there was nobody there. I saw one woman. This is before I went and saw the movie. I saw one woman reporting this. So let's think about this for a nanosecond. Because what I realized, there has been a great effort uh, surrounding this movie of the pay-it-forward plan. Have you seen this thing? And basically what it was was that uh, Jim Caviezel, he makes an appeal at the end of the movie. I stayed for the special thing. And I'm not, I'm not knocking this movie. Don't, if you've tuned in and you think I'm some liberal bashing this movie, you're incorrect. I'm just trying to really look objectively at all of these things because I think what we're witnessing is one of the most genius marketing plans I've ever seen for a low-budget movie. So they have this pay-it-forward thing where essentially uh, they say, we don't want finances to stand in the way of anybody coming to see this movie. So if you would, and they put a giant QR code on the screen in the theater, actually, they say, go in and buy a couple of tickets. So there are free tickets available. Now, I've talked to many people who have gone to see this movie. None of them have taken uh, advantage of the free tickets because we're happy to go pay for this. We think this is a topic that is worth uh, exploration. And we certainly think that any kind of child slavery is something that should be brought to people's attention and combated. It would be nice if instead of arresting people for growing an unauthorized plant in their backyard, law enforcement actually focused on a real crime like child sex trafficking. But anyway, I digress. But they have this pay it forward thing. And even uh, the girl that I went with, she purchased the tickets. And she said, yeah, I went ahead and got them on uh, the day before. I guess it was a Saturday morning. She said, because it's looking like it's about half sold out. Now, when we got there, it was probably only a quarter of the way filled. Again, it was 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and only real weird people <laughs> like ourselves go see a movie at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But anyway, if people are out there buying all these extra tickets, then there's a possibility that these theaters are showing far more tickets sold than actual people in the theaters. This seems to make sense to me. That there could be a lot of empty seats, but this is also, all of this in its totality is just genius marketing. Number one, the pay-it-forward ticket is fantastic. You go in to see a movie, you buy one ticket for yourself, but then you buy two tickets, 
you pay three times the cost to see this because someone somewhere may use a free ticket. Now they have suddenly gotten me to essentially pay for three viewings of the movie. Hmm. That's quite interesting. But the most diabolical one, I don't even call it diabolical. It's genius. This thing was done on a shoestring. Apparently it was shelved for five years. There's some things. I know there's people who don't want you to see this movie. I don't think CNN wants this to be popular. I don't think MSN wants it to be popular. Although, again, I can't understand what their objections are. It was a very innocuous film about a real issue and a real true story that had nothing to do with QAnon or anything like that. But the idea of marketing a movie basically around a bunch of viral videos that the narrative is... The elites don't want you to see this movie, so you must see this movie. I think that is wildly effective for the audience that they are trying to reach. As I say, it's, it's genius marketing. Everything from the air conditioning not working, the screens not working, too many tickets sold compared to how many people are in. The whole thing is based around the idea that they don't want you to see this movie. So like children, and, and I understand it, I went to go see it. Like children, when they forbid you from doing something, when they're discouraging people that we don't like are trying to discourage, if the narrative is they're trying to discourage us from seeing it, it actually makes you want to go see it more. Kind of genius. So the movie was good. As I said, it's, it's not QAnon adjacent or anything that the left-wing media is pointing out. But at the same time, <laughs> there's some other... The narrative surrounding the movie to me is equal, if not more interesting to me, than the movie was itself. And it was a good movie. Let me make sure I'm explaining that to you. Kudos to them. They did a good job. Go see the movie if you're interested in the story. It's And it's not... I was worried it was going to be really dark and depressing. It's not. It's really kind of hopeful, and it's a it's a good story, even though it's a heavy topic. But just the whole, the whole social phenomenon around it was what I found most interesting. Long second, uh, segment. Let me take a break. I'll be right back. I was born a shotgun in my hands Behind the gun I'll make my final stand Yeah And that's why they call me All right, in my relentless pursuit of knowledge and accuracy here on the Mike Madison Show, I actually went and looked it up. Because I started, as I got through that story and thinking this thing through about the screens, and it said there were 5,700 movie theaters in the country, I thought, well, maybe, is that screens or is that theaters? I want to make sure that I'm being accurate here on the show. In 2021, there were 43 thousand, almost 44,000 screens in the United States. So I'm right. So my numbers are right. Out of 44,000 movie theaters in a very hot summer, isn't there a likelihood that some are going to experience AC outages? And before you say it, I can hear it right now, but Mike, it was just at the sound of freedom. Does your social media feed, is it going to tell you if, uh, I don't even know what else is out. Isn't there some Spider-Man movie out or Indiana Jones? Nobody's sending out viral videos that their air conditioning didn't work at an Indiana Jones movie because crap happens. People don't put that on screen. But if it happens at Sound of uh, Freedom, oh, they would put it out there. So I'm just saying. Interesting. We're talking about narrative stuff. I'll do this real quick, short segment now, and we'll get into some other stuff in a minute. But I've also run across it, just the manipulation of people. 
Um, you're, you're familiar with the term MPC. I believe it's called, uh, was that a non-performing character? Non-playing character? It, it, it's, the, it's the extras in a video game who don't do anything. You know, they're just bodies walking around. They don't have a character to them. They're not a part of the plot. They're, just, they're extras. And obviously nobody is controlling them. They're just random. They just bump into things. Have you seen these just-end-oil people? These are the people who, I can only assume, they're all wearing clothes, which means that apparently raw materials were taken from one place and shipped to another place to put them together and then shipped to a retailer. And then I assume they got there on by car and drove these things. It's just the people who don't want any oil whatsoever to be used really kind of feel like they've been the beneficiaries of a lot of different transportation uh legs along the way of their life. I'm not sure how they get to the protest. I'm going to assume that they don't all walk. <laughs> but anyway, um, there are these just-end oil, and they're seen largely, I think this is mostly in Europe. They may be doing this in the United States too. But they their, their protest is to block roads. And if you've not seen this, go take a look, because I have found this very fascinating. Because what's happening is people have had enough of these people. They essentially just sit down in the middle of a busy road. They just sit there. They don't say anything. They're not chanting anything. And people will get out of their cars and snatch them up under the armpits or grab one of their arms or their legs and will fling them to the curb. It's essentially justified road rage because these people are just blocking traffic, which is really kind of kind of interesting. What they're causing is big traffic jams, which is a bunch of cars idling that I assume is bad for considered that they would consider that bad for the environment but this is what they so these angry motorists are getting out and i'm talking about they are manhandling these people but what's so fascinating about it is these people they're not blm protesters i'll put it that way they can be flung to this onto the curb and they will just get up without saying a word without bowing up against the person and they will just go back and sit right where they sat before and somebody will come and rip their sign out of their hands and shred it in front of their face and then grab them by the hair and pull them off the road into a median, and these people just get up. There's no expression on their face. They're not even screaming as they're being drug off. They just get up, and they go, and they sit back down where they were before. They have absolutely no reaction except to move back into place. And it is to me, it's bizarre. Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm seeing something other people aren't seeing. This is the ultimate non-performing character. They look exactly like something out of a video game, like some non-performing character that gets bumped by your character that you're controlling, and they just kind of make a weird turn and they go right back to where they were, like nothing happened. And I, I assume this is just another one in a long line of cults that we're experiencing right now. I'm like... I've got this page of all kinds of different show topics I want to do. Sometimes I won't do topical things because I might have to record because I'm on the road so much. I might have to record something well in advance, and I can't always stay on top of current events and I only have two hours a week, so I can't cover every current event. But I may need to do a show. I've got this in my list. The list of cults that we are witnessing right now. Competing cults of people who join and reject all logic and reason if it challenges their cult. This is one of the more bizarre ones. This is true NPCs with no emotion, just like 
They look like video game characters who are not actually there mentally. They are just meat puppets moving through a video game. But there are so many competing ones right now. But you look at, I don't even want to list them all now. I've, I've got a list right in front of me. Some of them might anger, anger you. <laughs> I mean, I've got, we've got the, the gender ideology stuff. Just a cult. It is just exhibiting at least cult-like behavior. We saw the BLM stuff, cult stuff, COVID, vaccines, climate change. And then I have to throw these in. Even things like Bitcoin now. Some people who cannot see that there are possibilities that Bitcoin will not work out well. They just absolutely refuse to see it. They will not concede a just even a scintilla of point that it's a possibility that Bitcoin could end up at zero. They are just so much true believers. And then, of course, there are cults that spring up around politicians themselves. I won't name it here. I want to try to keep this a nice, friendly show and keep everybody engaged. But there's a lot of them, and I guess it's just times of complete confusion and overwhelm that we're in right now. It just must lead people to cling to these identity groups. they got, got to just cling to a tribe at all costs. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. But if you have not seen one of these Just End Oil protests, go, go watch them. Somebody needs to explain this to me. Maybe I could, if, if anyone knows somebody who's in this group, I would really like to know what their marching orders are. Or maybe it's all just pre-programmed. Got to take a break. I'll be right back. A little bit of loneliness, a little bit of disregard. Handful of complaints, but I can't help the fact that everyone can see these scars. What I want you to want, what I want you to feel. But it's like no matter what I do, I can't convince you to just believe this is real. So let go of watching you turn your back like you always do. Face away and pretend that I'm not. But I'll be here because you're all that I got. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me today. I, one of the greatest things I've seen from the past week was, I'm not sure exactly, I know Turning Point had their uh, their uh, get-together going on, but Tucker Carlson had some kind of a panel, and I'm not sure if it was attached to that or not. The sign behind it was a pro-life thing, but he had several of the Republican candidates on, and I saw, oh, he got some beautiful clips from this thing. I'm sure by now you've seen them. I don't have any of the clips. I thought I had clips today, but I, they've been seen so many times now. But in particularly Mike Pence. Tucker took on Mike Pence. Mike Pence was just, he was so agitated. I've told you he's a cyborg. He's obviously not programmed to interact with a thinking human being like Tucker Carlson. But Tucker Carlson made him look terrible. There are people saying it ended his campaign. Essentially, Mike Pence, when Tucker said, you're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine and every American city is crumbling beneath our feet. And Mike Pence, essentially, and I'm not sure what what glitch in his programming had him say something so stupid, but he said, well, that's not my concern. <laughs> not a good look there, Pence. Of course, one of the first things I think when I see Mike Pence, because I have been after him since the day he was announced at Trump's as Trump's running mate, is why in the hell did Donald Trump name Mike Pence his running mate in the first place? At least it's another one of those things. One of my less popular beliefs that Mike Pence was just a horrible pick for vice president, along with many of Trump's picks. I, I think that bear uh, it's, that's I think I looked pretty prescient there. He's he's absolutely terrible. Uh, Tucker Carlson also made Tim Scott come out as a just a blatant warmonger and a real lightweight. Tim Scott's wildly unimpressive. 
I didn't see Asa Hutchinson, but he apparently is a couldn't answer a question on vaccine. He's another featherweight from the GOP. The GOP field is really horrible. Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, some of these other people. Not Vivek, Vivek, is that how you say his name? He said some interesting things, but boy, he's got some concerning things in his past too. Some some tweets from just two years ago. He was a big masker. He didn't understand how conservatives could rebel against the masks. He apparently had some software. He's an entrepreneur. He had some software that was really going to help governments compile lists of people and their vaccine status, something along those lines, some kind of a health database. I'm just saying, don't fall in love. There's a lot of people who communicate with me that are big fans of Vivek. Uh, He really lost me on the, we should send the military into Mexico to fight the drug war. Yeah, that's what we need. We need more military intervention because what, what could possibly go wrong? They've all gone so swimmingly. But anyway... Tucker had some great clips. All I could think was, boy, I wish he would be the the moderator for a Republican debate. I think it would be absolutely fantastic. But then, just like the NPCs on the left, I'm wondering about the right and their support. I, I saw that Tucker Carlson interviewed Andrew Tate. I don't know I've ever mentioned this guy on the show before, but I've been left scratching my head as the the right and Republican fascination and seeming support for Andrew Tate. Now, I don't know a lot about him, but I guess if Tucker Carlson's interviewing him, and it appeared to be, while I'll be honest, I did not watch the whole thing, it appeared to be a... uh, what, What am I trying to... A friendly interview of Andrew Tate, and I've heard a lot of people on the right really taking up the cause for Andrew Tate. And since the day I've ever seen this guy, and again, I don't know a ton about him, but he has always seemed creepy as hell to me. And it feels like there's some rallying around Andrew Tate that he is he is what a man should be. He's unapologetically masculine, something along those lines. But he always creeped me out. And then recently, there have been uh, segments of things he's talked about with these webcam girls that have been circulating around that he has hired webcam girls and that his job was to make them... for get them to fall in love with him, sleep with him, and then he can get them to do anything that he wants to do. And I find myself saying this. I had the same reaction to Nick Fuentes. I thought, this guy who, who is an incel, an involuntary, uh, what is it, involuntary celibate, he's a self-prescribed, uh, subscribed, described. <laughs> it's one of those scribes. He's a self-described incel from a clip that I played with him, and I thought, this guy? This was after the meeting with Trump. It wasn't Trump's fault. I think he just showed up with Kanye, but people were trying to dismiss it. And I thought, how is this guy one of the thought leaders on the right? I say the same thing about Andrew Tate. Have you seen any of these clips of him talking about how to get women? It's like a it's like a pickup artist or something along these lines. I don't know. I was just surprised. I, w- I was riding so high and all the Tucker stuff, and then I saw him interviewing Andrew Tate, and I thought, ooh, this guy just really skeeves me out. And unfortunately, I think both sides of the political aisle, what the litmus test for anybody getting a following on either side is how much the other side hates them. 
I think this is one of the things about Trump that I think is short-sighted is that I understand you feel like he is the one taking the slings and arrows from the left, so he must be great. Don't ignore, I mean, ignore the fact that he hired John Bolton and Mike Pence and Christopher Wray and Raytheon at the Pentagon and Eli Lilly at the Health and Human Services, and he didn't pardon Assange and he didn't pardon Snowden, but he did pardon Jared's Diddy. I mean, ignore all these things, because if the left hates him, he must be great. And I think that's the take on Andrew Tate, is that if if the left hates him, if the other side that I don't like hates this guy so much, he must be great, so we must support him regardless. Man, I tell you, this is why I say never fall in love with uh, politicians or personalities. This guy is super creepy to me. We'll, we'll see how that all ends out. I don't know if this, I guess he's being prosecuted by the Hungarian police. And the funny thing is, is that once you get yourself established on one side of the political spectrum, it doesn't matter which side, then anytime, even if you do horrific illegal things, if you're charged for them, you get to say, it's just political. I didn't do anything wrong. You can just smell this a mile away. This is them because I'm challenging them. I mean, it's a great cover for crimes to keep support because you can do the crime and people won't pay any attention to what you actually did, what your actual actions were, because you get to just hide behind uh, politics. I'll tell you what, I'm going to take a break. I had a little bit of economic stuff I did want to want to go through. Um. Yeah, I'll take a quick break and do that. I'll just lump it all in together because there are several interesting stories. One of them, man, it was a predictable one, but we are about to cross the Rubicon. We are about to cross the Rubicon on one metric. And I'll tell you, this is just the beginning of it. These stories are going to get worse and very, very quickly. I'll do that when we come back. Stick around. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho, yeah. Maybe I'm the one, maybe I'm the one who is a schizophrenic psycho. So in this past week, we found out that uh, inflation, the consumer price index, the heavily manipulated, hedonically adjusted CPI is now reported down to around 3%. I think its high was 9.1, 9 9.2%. is now down to 3%. They're saying the inflation fight is over. Now, of course, previously high prices are permanently baked into the cake for many things. Some prices are coming down. Houses and cars, some big ticket items are retreating in prices, but of course from nosebleed levels. But They're saying this, but what was more interesting to me than the inflation rate that they report, as I say, it's a juiced number, it's endlessly adjusted seasonality and hedonics and all these other kinds of things, just like employment data is is manipulated. But at the same time, I have been watching, almost on a daily basis, I pull it up. Here's, Here's what an economics nerd I am. I don't know what everybody else pulls up on a daily basis, but I pull up the dollar index what is the relative strength of the U.S. dollar versus other currencies? And the U.S. dollar has been trading in the a range of about 101 to 103 for months. It broke down below 100. I have not pulled it up. I'll tell you what, I'm going to pull it up right now as I'm talking, just because I am curious to see exactly uh, where this thing is as I speak. But it's interesting that uh, for the first time it's gone below 100. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. I looked at the wrong number. I thought it was at 94. It's at 99.88. It is broken down through 100. So this is something to watch because what that means is the dollar is weakening. Now, what does a weak dollar mean for U.S. consumers? Anyone? Anyone? It means inflation. It means everything that you buy that is imported into the United States is going to start costing you more. So just as they get, supposedly, this inflation rate down to around 3%, Suddenly, the dollar is also breaking down. Uh, some people have said if it crossed under 100, it won't be very long until it hits down to 90. Uh, that is going to stoke. If it continues, if the trend continues, it could reverse. This is a very strange market in a whole bunch of different ways. But if it continues, it means that inflation is going to whipsaw us all and come right back. Of course, the reason for inflation, people who listen to the Mike Madison show have learned or or at least understand whether I'm the one who told you or not, that the inflation is really caused by government spending. Not just Joe Biden by himself, but every modern president and their profligate spending, particularly since the 1970s, has created this inflation that was really, the fuse was lit during the final year of the Trump administration when they printed out of air, what was it, $7 trillion for COVID ridiculousness? That, was, that lit the fuse, and then Biden's big spending ways just packed the dynamite even tighter. The government spending, uh, the interest on the debt, and this is what I'm saying, this story is going to continue to get worse. The interest on the debt has now crossed $900 billion, headed up towards $1 trillion. That is $1 trillion, $1 trillion a year is what you are asked to pay for when you pay your taxes. You're asked to pay over a trillion dollars a year just in interest on the debt because of D.C. politicians. Thad Cochran's, Roger Wickers, Trent Lott's, Michael Guest's, Cindy Hyde-Smith's, of course, Benny Thompson's, all of them. It's just that Mississippi has a way of electing big-spending, big-government Republicans here. It, it's amazing. Once it crosses the $1 trillion, and if we do head into a recession and government receipts go down, meaning they're going to need to borrow more to prop up this government at higher interest rates. See, all of the debt that we have with these new higher interest rates is not even reset yet. We're already about to cross $1 trillion in interest on the debt, and all of the higher interest rates are not even baked in yet. I think we may be at about 20% of the federal debt right now is at higher interest rates, soon to be 30%, 40%, 50%. And if this continues to go on, if inflation does pop back, means that we have to refinance more of our debt. And within the next five to 10 years, we'll have $32 trillion being paid out at around 5 or 6%. You can do the math. That's trillions of dollars just in interest. And this is at a time tax receipts are going down while spending is going up. And the money that we borrow to plug in that hole is actually at higher and higher interest rates. This is what they call <laughs> the... What is it? It's the event horizon. If you're familiar with that term around a black hole, it is when you get to that point where you cannot escape. You cannot escape uh, what is coming. Uh, this always happens. I've got a couple of other great you know, economic things, particularly a, a video for the boomers out there who are telling the younger generation to just pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I don't have time to get to it. I, I know it's not popular. I feel terrible for these kids. 
We are leaving them. It's such a mess, an absolute mess. And if you have been one of these people who voted for these politicians that you regret now, you have to, we have to all accept culpability for exactly what's going on. Sure, the kids could be more productive, but we raised them. I, I, I had my kids in Madison County schools, and when I made them work in high school, or I basically told them, I'm not handing you money. If you want to earn some money, go out there and get a job. And they did work, but their, their friends weren't working. This is Madison parents. Their, their kids weren't working. Those precious children had too much baseball and soccer and special events and all kinds of things. They couldn't be burdened with working. And then we look at the generation and go, why don't they work? I'm just saying, but I, I've got clips. I'll They're not going anywhere. I'll have another chance to play them. That's really all the time I've got today. Have a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, Bye-bye. Talking about.